0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, quick trigger warning for this episode. Towards the end of the show, we talk about the original 1992 film, Meet the Parents, on which the 2000 film is based. Uh, and the plot of that film uh, includes uh, one instance of animal abuse and uh, some discussion around suicide as well. So we we call it out pretty clearly before it happens in the episode, but just want to make sure you were aware. Uh, enjoy the show. This movie sucks.
1: Sam is the one Greg wants to marry.
0: Just relax, honey, I love you. But before he can pop the question, he'll have to meet. Hi, Daddy! The parents. What did you drive there, Ford? Oh, yeah. It's an interesting color. You pick it? Oh, no. Now the Hurst guy picked it. Why? Well, they say geniuses pick green. But you didn't pick it. Uh yeah well no i i have not cried in a closet in my office i've cried in a conference room with other people <laughs> Oh
1: yeah yeah i love crying in front of other people it, the the making people uncomfortable with emotion it, is so satisfying
0: That is exactly what i was about to say is it is actually the strongest power move you have in the office <laughs> is to it's burst amazing. into tears
1: <laughs> it's the best. I've done it on a few occasions and it's always been with a boss and miraculously I've gotten some sort of perk like a, a few minutes longer on lunches or paid lunches or yeah. even a little bit of a race
0: yeah, here it's- and there. It's really amazing because, like, and it makes sense if you think about it because if you put yourself in another person's shoes and you're like, if a person in front of me started crying in a work environment, I would immediately just be like, how do I get out of this situation as quickly as I possibly can? (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) She's on the West Side, looking at the Jersey skyline. She's in a mode. So she didn't back to you? She the longest stay. And it's a great highway,
0: she's mode. It's probably should have known better celebrating comedy that is aged very poorly. My name's Tony Ginocchio. I'm joined as always by the grandma's ashes <laughs> to my cat piss. <laughs> it's Nadia Vasquez.
1: Happy New Year, pal.
0: Happy New Year to you, Nadia. Uh how how are you doing? How are you holding up?
1: Uh, you know, feeling um optimistic. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're yeah. we're out of twenty twenty. Uh, we're recording this in 2020, but by the time this airs, we'll be out of 2020, and yeah. presumably everything will be awesome.
1: Yeah, we're, uh, we're different people by the time this actually airs. So, like, right now, <laughs> I'm fine, but but I'm going to make a wild guess. I'm going to say I'm great
0: okay. in 2021. You know, I'm also going to say I'm great, so we're both okay. great. <laughs> and that brings us to today's film, uh, which is, uh, you know, we did... Uh, a bunch of films from the 90s so far this season. We did one film from the 2010s, but we are returning to truly the shittiest decade for comedy, I would yeah. say, in history. Yes. <laughs> uh, the 2000s. Uh, and in this case, we are going to the year 2000. Uh, you know, like, like we said, uh, we're only doing films this season that were in the top 10 highest grossing films of their respective year, and that, in this case, is the smash hit Meet the Parents From 2000. Wait,
1: repeat that phrase? The smash hit?
0: Smash hit film, Meet the Parents, from the year 2000, uh, directed by Jay Roach. Jay Roach, best known for directing the Meet the Parents trilogy and then another trilogy called the Austin Powers trilogy, which I would argue is better. Yeah. Uh, And uh, starring, of course, a post-something-about-Mary Ben Stiller, and a pre-Dirty Grandpa, Robert De Niro, plus <laughs> Terry Polo, uh, Blythe Danner, and Owen Wilson. Um, this was the number five highest grossing film of the year. <laughs> um, oh my God. it actually is slightly above What Women Want in the year-end rankings because What Women Want came out later in the year. It eventually, uh, over, uh, overtook it, um. It is, like every other film we have done so far this season, an Academy Award nominee. <laughs> In for this, what? Uh, for Best Song. Um, oh, and, the Randy uh,
1: Newman song. The
0: Randy Newman song. Now, Randy Newman, to be fair, has been nominated for 22 Oscars and is, I would say, probably one of America's greatest living songwriters. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so this this one actually did get an Oscar nod. Um, it was exciting. It inspired... Uh, Two sequels It uh, kind of launched Robert De Niro's comedy career Along with Mm -hmm. Analyze This um, it inspired a flight from Fort Lauderdale to San Juan in 2005 to get grounded because a flight attendant found a crumpled napkin on the plate that, or on the uh, tray that read bomb, 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 meet the parents, a clear reference to a scene <laughs> that comes at the end of the film. So the plane had to turn around 40 minutes into the flight and get investigated by a bomb squad and the FBI, who had to interrogate 176 different passengers on the plane wow. about the note, uh, and uh, you know, so the legacy uh, lives on. <laughs> uh, I'm
1: gonna, I'm gonna derail us for a second, yeah. but when you said it got an Oscar nod, yeah. I th- thought you were saying my name because that's my nickname for a lot of my friends. <laughs> so you're like, it got an Oscar nod. <laughs> I'm not stoned, I promise, Uh, but that made me laugh.
0: (laughs) So Nadia is stoned, so I'll just do the plot summary really quick. Uh, So uh, Ben Stiller plays—oh, this can't be right. It says here his name is Gaylord Fokker.
1: No, that's it. You're right. (laughs)
0: Uh, His name is uh, Gaylord Fokker. He goes by Greg. Uh, He uh, wants to propose to his girlfriend, (laughs) Pam, who is played by Terry Polo. Uh, Because of some snafus, uh, he has to delay the proposal and decides to propose to her when they are at her parents' house uh, for her sister's wedding. And he meets her parents for the first time, Robert De Niro and Blythe Danner. Robert De Niro is a retired florist. He's a rare flower and plant specialist. Um, But he really just is kind of rough and intimidating with Ben Stiller. Uh, and then we learn that he's actually not a florist, he's a retired CIA agent. Based on when the movie came out and Robert De Niro's age, I think it's fair to assume that he is the man who assassinated Archbishop Oscar Romero in El Salvador. And so... Oh, shit.
1: That's really (laughs) fucked up, Tony.
0: (laughs) So, uh, Ben Stiller really just can't do anything right, and while... Um, some of some of this movie is just very cringy, awkward dialogue and conversation between uh, a girlfriend's father who doesn't like his daughter's boyfriend very much. Um, a lot of it is also what my mom calls just oppression, which is yeah. just terrible, irreversible things happening uh, for no good reason that ruins people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, and we'll talk about this I think towards the end of the episode. But this is actually a remake of a 1992 independent film um, that, uh, as we'll discover, was significantly darker than this movie. And this movie is unexpectedly dark, and yeah. uh, neither Nadia and I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a, it's a, it was a tough one to get through for sure.
0: <laughs> um,
1: it, it, <laughs> I really. D- you know, questioned my place in the world of podcasting <laughs> and thought there has to be a better way.
0: It's just it's just every, every time I click the rent button, it's yeah. a struggle. It's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Nutty Professor, Ted, this.
1: Nutty Professor was easier to watch than this, though. Well,
0: Nutty Professor is shorter, too, I think.
1: Yeah, it. yeah. This was a slog, for sure. <laughs>
0: um, and this is, like, the forerunner in a lot of ways to, like cringe yeah <laughs> so like absolutely mm-hmm. like this is this is five years before the the diversity day episode of the office <laughs> and it's like 10 years before the scott's tots episode of the office which i can't watch
1: no i haven't rewatched it since i think the maybe second time i saw it and even then that was tough to get. <laughs>
0: um so it it is in some ways ahead of its time and then in other ways just a really hard awful movie to watch uh nadia the the year 2000 uh
1: (sighs) it was a great time personally (laughs) i was in like eighth grade the music was really good uh mtv was mostly music videos um you know I was wearing white eyeshadow and body glitter and capri pants that had embroidered butterflies on them. Like, there there was no better place. The, I didn't have a phone. The the, the most, um, I'm gonna say, the most technologically advanced type of phone that you can get at this time was the clacking phone, <laughs> the flip phone, where you would get pissed off and then you'd clack it shut. That was, when I saw that in the movie, I got very nostalgic and sad that we don't experience that anymore. But the year 2000 was a beautiful time. We all survived Y2K. Um, the top songs were Smooth by Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana. We got music videos for What a Girl Wants by Christina Aguilera. All the moms loved Savage Gardens. I Knew I Loved You. <laughs> we had Destiny's Child, had not one but two huge hits that year Say My Name and Independent Women from the Charlie's Angels. Right, okay, cap. yeah,
0: so that's from Charlie's Angels. Okay. Oh
1: my God, it was, a, it was a wild time. In fact, I actually have a playlist of songs from this era, and I'm gonna link it on our Instagram and our <laughs> Twitter so that we can all experience this time together. I would love to hear your feedback. Um, So the year 2000 was also the peak year for CD sales in America.
0: They, oh, okay.
1: We, we bought 943 million CDs that year. Which is, you know, that that number doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, so the price of a gallon of gas in 2000 was $1.56. Wow. Blockbuster Video declined the chance to buy Netflix for $50 million that year.
0: In 2000?
1: In 2000. Wow. Um, and due to the massive... Success and popularity of Eminem's Stan. The Oxford (laughs) Dictionary made a definition of Stan as an obsessive fan of a particular celebrity, which we talk about. In many about? episodes.
0: To this day. Um, and, and, you know, I was, if you weren't going to bring it up, I was. The Marshall Mathers LP did come out this year. Um,
1: yeah, it contributed to all those CD sales.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, is um, you say it was a peak year for CD sales. The top selling artist of the entire 2000s, so 2000 to 2009, is Eminem. Um,
1: oh, well, you know, Ma- mom Spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Mom, Spaghetti, right? Was in that decade, and he had you know several albums go diamond, and uh, and then he was in rehab for half the decade, so it, it actually makes it even more impressive. But what, I'm talking about Eminem. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm getting sidetracked.
1: It's okay. You're a white guy. I am um, a
0: white boy. Yes.
1: It's okay. So there's more though. So Pope J P Two gave his blessing to the Pokemon franchise in 2000, and he said that. The games did not have any harmful moral side effects and were actually based in ties of intense friendship. Mm-hmm. And so he, he, he and the church love Pokemon, <laughs> which is very, very um, fulfilling and rewarding because I still play that. I don't know. Um, so in 2000, the term CAPTCHA, which stands for Completely Automated Public Turing Test to Tell Computers and Humans Apart, which is what we all do all the time, was coined in 2000 by some nerds at Carnegie Mellon University. Um, In celebrity news, because I know that that's what we all really care about, that was the year that Angelina Jolie and Billy Bob Thornton got married and the year that Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston got married. Every website that I looked for current events for that year always paired those two facts together. Everybody just loves Brangelina. (laughs)
0: It's like okay. reading, it's like reading a Bronte novel and you're like, okay, but we know who's going to end up together.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Mr. Dossi. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Okay, so in 2000, this is one of the hornier years for America. <laughs> Because Google Images was created in 2000 in response to Jennifer Lopez uh, wearing that Versace dress mm-hmm. at the Grammys, the green one. Peak and it horny, rem- yeah. Mm-hmm. Peak horny America. And it remains, to this day, the most searched query on Google Images, which...
0: Okay, so... I don't
1: know how I feel about that.
0: Serious question. Which is higher levels of horny? <laughs> Google image search being created for the Jennifer Lopez Versace dress or... The Janet Jackson boob at the Super Bowl becoming the most, like, rewound segment (laughs) on DVRs, which I think was a few years later. I think that was mid-2000s.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to say peak horny is Jennifer Lopez, but peak creep is Janet Jackson because that wasn't consensual.
0: Okay, that's actually – that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but lastly you know I always like to look at the top TV of the year because I love TV Um, this was the beginning of the end for most of uh, network television's uh, big hits so the top show was Survivor and the second show was ER followed by Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Mm -hmm. with Regis Philbin may he rest in peace Uh, number four Friends Knocked Down a Peg or Two from previous years and lastly the number one show for most of the 2010s, Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. comedy, TV, everything's kind of getting bad. But I think it's just because, you know, Homestar Runner's up and running. <laughs> we're all using the computer more. Uh, we're all on AIM because yeah, we don't need it. We yeah, don't need TV.
0: I was, I, I, was uh, I remember AIM from then. I, uh, I... I'm just, I'm I'm sorry, you said Homestar Runner and that threw me off. Just the idea that it's like, well, I could watch NBC's Thursday night lineup uh, or, or watch Salvo. the Trogdor the Burninator video for the yeah. thousandth time, which yeah. I which is something I did.
1: It's so good. And I love the way Homestar Runner said, Mousy Pan. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: this is a very niche topic now.
0: <laughs> Uh, I'm sure, like, what percentage of our listeners do you think were into Homestar Runner? Like, 95, 96?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's just a bunch
1: of us nerds. We're just uh, nerd now. It's fine. What's up, guys?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so so with all that, um, <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing I want to call out in 2000 is it was obviously a presidential election year, an unusual presidential election year in which um, George W. Bush won after the Supreme Court recount, uh, halted a recount in Florida. So very, um, uh, kind of constitutionally questionable in many Mm -hmm. ways election. And George W. Bush would go on, of course, to, uh, plan and execute the 9-11 attacks a few (laughs) months later. Right.
1: Jet fuel can't melt steel beams.
0: Uh, so, and, and I mean, we talk about 9-11 on this podcast, like pretty much every episode. And yeah, we, we talk. Really do. We talk about how after that happened, and because we had a 24-hour media cycle, because we had the internet, a lot of people were looking for distractions anyway, anywhere they could find them. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, kind of led to a lot of decisions being made that led to some really terrible comedy movies. This yes. was right before that.
1: Mm-hmm. So and I, wh- what was the excuse there?
0: Yeah, so like, but I think... I don't, know what to th- I don't know what to think. I don't know what uh, to think. I don't know what to
1: think either because I feel strongly, but I don't care. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, yes. Yes. It's like, after we're done recording this episode, I'm not going to think about this movie ever again. No. Um, and there are some movies I still think about from this podcast. I think about She's the Man every fucking day. <laughs> but, what? Why? Uh, mainly the soundtrack. And Okay, so, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, but for this movie... This movie's dark, and and like I said, so there, you know, there's a scene in which, you know, one of the protagonists sees his grandmother's ashes defiled by his cat. There's a scene where, you know, a supporting character puts all this time and effort and love into carving this elaborate wooden lacquered gazebo, which then burns down in a completely preventable accident. <laughs> um, like, there, there's, you know, septic tank floods, and everybody gets covered in shit at one point. Like, how dark is too dark, like, when you're watching this movie? At what point are you like, I can't watch this?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was pretty... Pretty early on, because I don't, I don't think that as a person I could handle someone treating me as badly as Robert De Niro's character immediately. Immediately starts treating Ben Stiller's character. So that was kind of where I was like, logically speaking, I don't know if this could still get made, especially after The Office, because I think yeah. with the way I'm a huge Office fan, everybody knows this, but the way that they do it is that every character. Even Michael, you know, Michael and Dwight are pretty awful, but there's always a redeemable moment where they re- remind you that they're a likable character, that they explain why they are the way that they are. And it's all rooted in, you know, wanting to be accepted and to be yeah. loved. Yeah. And in this movie, the <laughs> I don't feel like that's the M.O. for anybody's character.
0: Yeah, well you bring up a really good point about the office which is like if you, I think if you watch season 1 where they were staying closer to the UK scripts like Michael mm-hmm. is meaner like oh, yeah. he he's a worse person and then when they when they made him more human the show got a lot better in my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's great because you root for someone who is awful and it feels weird but you <laughs> you end up loving him and I don't think that they Even, um, what's his name? Greg. Gaylord Fokker. Yeah. (laughs) His his character is not likable. No. Himself. If, If it was, like, a thing where he was a wonderful person, was actually really amazing and selfless and was just putting up with this because he's a nice guy, it would be one thing.
0: But he's a terrible person. Yeah, he's kind of a shitty person. And then also, Pam, the Terry Polo role is like is really shitty to him
1: (laughs) yeah she's like gaslighting his ass and being like you're overthinking this my dad is not at all what you think he is and is literally
0: Um, lying to her parents about him and forcing him to go along with it like look if they ask we don't live together like mm -hmm. yeah it's like
1: happiest season they tried this already (laughs) (laughs) and it didn't work
0: um, Uh the one other uh, interesting fact that I saw in the Amazon trivia was um, Terry Polo plays Pam. Uh, that was originally going to go to Naomi Watts. Um, oh. She didn't get it because the producers didn't think she was sexy enough. Uh, uh, and then,
1: Scream? Hello? Yeah.
0: And then, yeah. Uh, so, first of all, before I say the next thing, let me just say... Naomi Watts is sexier than Terry Polo. Like that yeah. seems very clear cut to me. Yeah, <laughs> um,
1: yeah, it's very black and white.
0: Uh, but anyways, Naomi Watts just had to settle for working with David Lynch and making Mulholland Drive. Ah, uh, so. Oh,
1: okay. Well, good move. Good move. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. So. Uh, but she is really shitty. Robert De Niro is shitty for for no reason. Like I don't yeah. think like him being protective of his daughter is enough of a justification for this. No. Um, certainly not for, like, enough of justification for, like, giving Ben Stiller a polygraph. Um, and...
1: And and Blythe Danner's character was also awful, but had the opportunity to be literally any other way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think the only, um, possible explanation is that Robert De Niro's character was actually meant to be, um, just a raging anti-Semite.
1: oh okay i can see
0: that probably what it was it's just like oh my daughter's (laughs) dating a jewish man and i uh i I just can't accept that so i'm gonna try to force him out uh, well okay i
1: I, is owen wilson jewish
0: no he was christian remember because oh yeah
1: he he talks about jesus and owen
0: wilson by the way is like my favorite part of the movie
1: Oh, yeah, he's um, the best part. Yeah. He's the only part of this movie that was watchable. But, yeah, so I don't think that the anti-Semite thing checks out because <laughs> apparently uh, they didn't like Owen Wilson until they had broken up.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it that's the one detail I remember about the movie because I was like, I would have rather have watched that movie.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and yeah, because Owen Wilson's great in this. Um, he's amazing. But this is also just a throw out one more thing here. Um <laughs> he is in this this was the first of a couple comedies that he did. De Niro. For yeah, for no reason. So yeah. he did he did Analyze This in 1999, the year before this, and that was a huge hit. Um with Billy Crystal. Um
1: Untouchable Billy Crystal.
0: Untouchable Billy Crystal. Now, you have Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal. After Analyze This, Billy Crystal basically retires. And we're all sitting here saying Billy Crystal's untouchable, which is true. Yeah. Then Robert De Niro makes Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, and Little Fockers. He makes Analyze That. He makes he's in uh, Stardust. He's in uh, 30 Rock. He has a cameo as himself. Um, he's in the Gary Marshall film New Year's Eve. He's oh. in... Uh, Silver Linings Playbook, which his role doesn't make a lot of sense in that. He's in Last Vegas where he just plays an old person who needs Viagra all the time and it's a comedy. Uh, You do know
1: this correlates with Scorsese hiring Leonardo DiCaprio to do everything, right?
0: Oh, so I see. So you're saying, and then he's in Dirty Grandpa, which I haven't seen but my understanding is he gets to fuck Aubrey Plaza in it, so actually, respect. Yeah. Uh, Yes!
1: Honestly, yeah.
0: Honestly, <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah,
1: but I, I would say, I, I don't remember, I don't really, like, follow Leonardo DiCaprio's career, except that all of his girlfriends...
0: Are 25, turn, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once
1: they turn 25, he dumps them. That's all I really know about his, like, the latter half of his career, but I do see that he works with Scorsese way more Mm -hmm. around this time. So I'm going to say that this is related. I think De Niro is like, I I don't have anybody to work with, so I'm going to try comedy.
0: Yeah. Uh, And he shouldn't do that. No. (laughs) And and to be fair, I don't think his performance is bad in this, but I think he's made some really bad choices with some of the comedies that he's picked. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think, you know, they, uh, I understand (laughs) that they have to kind of, adjust for type and you know making his character in this movie a cia operative who pretends to be like a flower salesman or something um is i guess it's fine i guess it justifies the like his type is you know kind of a scary kind of dude Mm -hmm. but i don't think I think that it's just a cop out because it's like, well, it's De Niro. Like that's the actual explanation. Right.
0: The the joke is you're watching Robert De Niro, and I hate yeah. comedy based I, on that.
1: I <laughs> hate that. I hate that. But I mean, I don't know. There, the the acting choices, comedy wise, I don't call choices. I just think he just said things because he had to. Like yeah. I don't, I don't really know if it was a performance necessarily.
0: Okay. Well, we... I can't
1: believe I said that about Robert De Niro. That's I'm so fine. sorry. That's fine. I'm so sorry. It's
0: fine. When he hears this, he's going to be upset, but he'll understand. I
1: really, really, really hope he, do- he like doesn't. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> Bobby, can we call you Bobby? Bobby, we thought you were great in The Irishman. Uh, really I enjoyed see it. that. <laughs> okay, well, that was him and Scorsese getting back together. So.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay.
0: Yeah, that was last yeah. year. Currently I loved on it. Uh, Netflix. Yeah, it's great. Mm. Um, I don't think you would like it, in all honesty. Uh, it's like four yeah. hours long. Um, yeah. okay, we open how long this movie is. We open on Chicago, the greatest city in the world. Okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> Let's relax.
0: City of destiny, the big sausage, uh, and so, uh, Gaylord Fokker is, is, uh, is a nurse. Wait, a nurse? But he's a uh-huh. man. Uh, and, uh, we've covered basically between his name and his profession, we've covered about 40% of the jokes in this film. Yeah. And so he is about to propose to his girlfriend, Pam, uh, played by Terry Polo. Um, the proposal gets, um, botched because it relies too heavily on, uh, her kindergarten class holding up signs in the correct order. Right. She doesn't see it, but she hears her sister Get engaged. She gets a phone call. Her sister got engaged. She's like, Oh my god, the wedding's in two weeks. And her fiance knew to ask our dad for permission. Ben's oh. Benster was like, Oh shit. Okay, well I'm gonna I uh, will go to Long Island for the wedding in two weeks. I'll bring the ring with me and I'll use that to I'll use that opportunity to ask her father's permission to marry her.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is a great start <laughs> to what will be an adventure
0: i so i can't look i look (laughs) i my my girlfriend and i were together for a very long time before we got engaged um so maybe i'm coming at this from a different perspective uh not meeting her parents before you decide to marry her
1: yeah bad move seems
0: unwise (laughs) yeah
1: also they were only together for 10 months 10 months That's not enough time. You've got to do
0: one full year. you got to get all the holidays in to see what happens.
1: Yeah, you got to get all the holidays in. Then you get to the second year, which is when everybody starts acting how they really act. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, And mm. then at the end of two years, that's around the time where you decide if it's going to be a long-term thing or not. Right. So, you know, he's jumping the gun a little bit. (laughs) Just a little bit.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So uh, we cut to two weeks later. Um, they're at the airport. They're at a (laughs) pre-TSA, uh, (laughs) airport. Um. Remember,
1: it's pre-9-11. Pre-9-11.
0: Um, and. Everyone's
1: got their shoes on.
0: Everybody's got their shoes on. They're just bringing whatever they want on the plane. But Ben Stiller can't bring his bag on. It's too big. (sighs)
1: Ugh.
0: Um and Do, so
1: does does your airport have that little window that tells you it has to be a certain size? Yeah, yeah, it's
0: not on the scanner, but they got the little thing that you gotta put. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Um, but also he's like, Hey, there's a two carat ring in there. two carat ring is probably like twelve thousand dollars. Like <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, nurses make a lot of money. Yeah. Not enough. Yeah, not enough. they deserve more.
0: I'm I'm not saying he couldn't afford that ring, although he couldn't. Um, What I'm (laughs) saying is uh, maybe the guys who were like, we got to check your bag, when he said there's a 2 care ring in there, they should have said, oh, yeah, better take the ring out and carry it with you in case the bag gets lost.
1: Yeah, no, because they were like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. They just really wanted to get him through because they're in Chicago and everybody talks really fast.
0: Okay, well, it's the greatest city (laughs) in the world. Um,
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) uh, So, in any event, you know where this is going. The airline loses his bag, so he doesn't have anything with him.
1: Yeah, Um, and when he goes to pick up his bag or to fill out one of those... You lost my bag forms, a baby throws up on him. Yeah. So he can't actually wear the clothes that he's wearing.
0: Man, Would... nothing's going right for Gaylord Nothing. Fokker.
1: Poor Gaylord. <sighs> oh God. So... so okay, so this is the part of the movie where I where I thought, okay, if I was meeting my partner's uh family for the first time, mm-hmm. what what is there to look out for? I think it it's do they kiss each other on the mouth? Which, <laughs> <laughs> which everyone in this family kisses each other on the mouth. Uh, it, are they appropriate in showing their affection, which includes kissing each it includes, other? Includes definitely
0: includes. Didn't even occur to me to look for that, but now that no. now that you're saying it, that's all I'm going to see forever. Well,
1: now that I've seen this movie, I know that that's the first sign <laughs> that something is afoot. So uh, she, they, they drive up, and uh, Robert De Niro comes out and Terry Polo's freaking out and she basically climbs onto her father and he spins her around her legs are wrapped around him Ugh. they kiss on the mouth it's very very weird and uh the mom comes out and and you know there's a lot of like touching of the face and caressing it's it's a lot Ugh. and then they say oh hello Greg <laughs>
0: yeah and uh, that's my
1: first sign that something is a little off
0: yeah like like you said it's um I think Pam has, is actually a shitty person because she has not appropriately prepped Greg for no. this meeting at all. She hasn't told him what his parents are like. She hasn't told him, like, what they're into or what they can talk about besides rare plants, which she knows is fake. Right. And then um, and then she's, you know, woven this web of lies. Um, mm-hmm. But Robert De Niro also is just like, uh, let me see how much shit I can give Greg right away.
1: Right away, just right away, and you know, I also want to point out that every outfit that Terry Polo wears is brown in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a pet peeve, costume wise. Everything she wears is brown.
0: Um, and and uh, so one of the early gags Robert De Niro does, like, oh, that's a that's an interesting car, Greg. Uh, uh, did you pick that color? And Greg's like, no, the guy at the counter did. And Robert De Niro's like, oh, well, they say geniuses pick green, but you didn't pick it.
1: What the fuck? And I guess that's
0: See, I guess that's an own.
1: Yeah, and I guess that that is something as your partner <laughs> w- w- I would be fine with if my father said to you? Question yeah.
0: mark? Yeah, I mean, maybe, but also also like I would have told my partner, "Hey, my dad's going to break your balls a little bit."
1: Yeah, that's true. Or a lot. My dad is awful. My dad is really scary. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, there <laughs> yes. was one funny line in this opening exchange, I think, which is, and again, this is Pam who fucks it up, but Pam says, oh, Greg doesn't like cats. Oh, uh, he hates cats. He hates cats. And that's when that's when um, we meet uh, Robert De Niro's cat. Uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro's character's name is Jack, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. We meet Jack's cat, uh, Jinx, Jinxie. Um and, uh...
1: Mr. Jinx.
0: Mr. Jinx. Robert De Niro obviously name. loves this cat more than life itself. Um, and Pam's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Greg hates cats. Robert De Niro's really taken <sighs> aback by that. He's like, you, you hate cats? <laughs> and Greg tries to save it. He's like, no, I mean, you know, I prefer dogs, but I don't hate cats. And then uh, Robert De Niro says a line, which actually made me laugh. He's like, it's okay if you hate cats, Greg. There are things that I hate. <laughs>
1: That is pretty funny. Like if
0: it was, if it was just like slightly off kilter, creepy dialogue like that for ninety minutes, I think there's a good movie there. Yeah. But it gets way worse than this. No,
1: no, no. It doesn't go there. It doesn't go there at all. This is kind of my uh, my gripe with it is that if it's going to be a relationship comedy, make it a relationship and, comedy. And I think and, it could
0: have been a good relationship comedy.
1: Yeah, but it was. It turned into a slapstick comedy. Yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> unfortunately
0: yeah um
1: so, yeah so what's next
0: <laughs> uh well uh, there's some other like uh hey we're gonna put you in the den uh we trained jinx to use the toilet and he's like wow what's it like uh does he leave the seat up and it's like he can't lift the seat greg he lacks the strength and <laughs> opposable thumbs um
1: uh it's funnier when you say it when you're like retelling it, it's funnier than when i am watching the movie
0: yeah <laughs> Um, he's wearing Robert De Niro's clothes, Ben Stiller, so Greg has to borrow Robert De Niro's clothes throughout the whole movie. So he's dressed like, he's dressed like an old man throughout the whole movie, which is kind of funny, I guess. Not really. Actually, it didn't make me laugh. Um, No, I
1: mean, if they had given, if, if they had made a choice to make De Niro dress very specifically. More distinctly, yes. Yeah, then it would be one thing. Like, they, they only did that once when he, when he drives, he wears a, a cap and, uh, driving gloves. Yes. Which I think that, I was like, oh, that's great. But they didn't, they just kind of put him in a turtleneck. Like I said, everyone's fucking wearing brown. <laughs> I'm not into this.
0: And then we we kind of get, I think, another glimpse of what the movie could have been when uh, Greg and Jack go driving to, to run an errand. Right. Um, they're going ostensibly to pick up more Tom Collins mix, uh, but... Uh, in reality, Robert De Niro has a shady meeting with possibly another spy. We don't know.
1: Yeah, we don't know.
0: Um, but they're driving in the car, and De Niro turns <laughs> on the radio, and it's Peter Paul and Mary.
1: It's Puff the Magic Dragon.
0: It's Puff, Puff the Magic Dragon. And this next, uh, this next one is on Greg. I'm gonna say.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I don't think that in any, any way, shape, or form should you ever mention marijuana or allude to marijuana (laughs) to anyone unless you know they're cool yeah you know what I mean
0: (laughs) yeah and your girlfriend's dad by default is not cool
1: never never (laughs) a good move
0: um but basically it's just and again I think this is kind of funny when Greg is like yeah this is funny that people think it's about a dragon and then De Niro's like what are you talking about Fokker yeah Uh, and Greg Greg has to awkwardly explain like um you know some some people think to to puff the magic dragon means yeah. <laughs> means to smoke a marijuana cigarette
1: and de niro's like it's about a magical dragon <laughs> he's like really not okay with it and then my favorite line in the whole movie is you a pothead Fokker? yeah are you a
0: pothead fucker and again like if the movie's like this the whole way through yeah. I, I think there's something there. I would have enjoyed that. Um, it would have
1: been fun. Yeah. And, uh,
0: we're, we're not at the turning point yet, but.
1: No. Which no, I see, think this, is the piss is in the up, ashes, but. Yeah. Yeah. This, this sets up a, a little bit of what we call in improv resting the game. <laughs> <laughs> and the game in this movie is, you know, Greg has to meet the parents and the dad doesn't like him. And he keeps get, getting himself in hot water. But then, you know, you rest the game. Right. And things have to go well for a little while. But that's not the way that this movie works. The, uh, the teacher would have stopped the scene.
0: So, yeah, so they, you know, it just the conversation gets more and more awkward. They eventually get to the... Uh, the drugstore where they're running their errand, Greg spots De Niro talking to the spy and then to to make it look like he's not staring, he grabs a random magazine off the rack and opens to a random page and it turns out it's an ad for breast pumps.
1: Right. Right. And he's like, oh, you know, I mean I grew up on a farm. <laughs> because that's you know, you I there's no way to come back come back from looking at a breast pump ad, I guess.
0: <laughs> so So you
1: have to say that you <laughs> lived on a again, farm. Again, just
0: just I think what you said about resting the game is a really good point. This is just piling on misstep after misstep, and there's yeah. no room to breathe, and it's about to get a million times worse.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's is how much could go wrong, quick as quickly as possible. Yeah. And so they they head back, and it's it's dinner time, and uh, Greg makes an offhanded comment that you know it's really nice to have a home cooked meal because you know growing up we were just kind of fighting over the Chinese takeout and Blythe Danner was just so taken aback thought, Oh my God, this poor kid, he's never had a fucking home cooked meal. This is, uh, I'm going to, you know, make this a really like great dinner or whatever. But the entire time, Robert De Niro doesn't care and is such an asshole (laughs) the entire time. But I think it's just because Greg, you know, he keeps kind of going, misstepping and, and, and saying that the urn... What did he say the urn was?
0: Uh, he just called it a vase, right? He's like, oh, that's a lovely oh, a vase, vase you have.
1: Oh, and that it has the those, like, spy cameras inside.
0: Oh, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's right. Because Robert De Niro <coughs> also invented nanny cams, which were already invented. Um, yeah. And has planted them throughout the house.
1: Because, of course. Yeah.
0: So, uh, so yeah, so... Grandma's urn is on the mantle. Um, De Niro asks Ben Stiller to say grace, and Stiller uh, doesn't know how, so he just <laughs> recites the lyrics to Day by Day from Godspell. Uh, and uh, we get the... Which, I, I am a sucker for a gag where you say the lyrics to a song like it's yeah. a thing you're saying in conversation.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah. Uh, but... Um, it just keeps getting, like, more and more uncomfortable. De Niro reads a poem about his dead grandma that he just has in his pocket, ready to go. Which I wrote t- it
1: down because I loved it.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: okay. My Mother, by Jack Burns. You, give, you gave me life. You gave me milk. You gave me courage. Your name was Angela, the angel from heaven. But you were also an angel of God, and he needed you too. Selfishly, I tried to keep you here while the cancer ate away with your organs. Like an unstoppable rebel force. Yeah,
0: I wrote that one down too.
1: <laughs> but I couldn't save you, and I shall see your face never more, never more, never more. Cry, until we meet in heaven. <laughs> I thought it was great because Greg's responses—that was so much love and also so much information. <laughs> <laughs> i loved that that
0: was a good that was a good bit and then it's immediately (laughs) followed by uh probably one of the most indelible lines in the movie which is uh when robert de niro (laughs) asks a follow-up question about greg growing up on a farm which is a lie uh and and so greg has to explain why was he what was he using the milking machines for uh and he's like oh for a cat we milked cats (laughs)
1: Yeah, there was a runt in the in the litter of thirty cats.
0: Yeah, which <laughs> he which couldn't. he named Geppetto, which <laughs> is funny.
1: It was really funny. This is the only good part of the movie. And uh, he had to milk the cat and put the milk on a saucer for little Geppetto. And uh, Blythe Danner was like, "Wow, I mean, I didn't know that you could milk a cat." And he said, well, "You can milk anything with nipples." <laughs> And <laughs> Robert De Niro says, well, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? Classic. Classic. Uh,
0: then we have two problems.
1: Yeah. Uh, one. Then it stops being funny for the, for rest, the rest of the, of
0: the, the film. <laughs> <laughs> one, Greg learns that Pam was previously engaged. Uh, How
1: does she not tell him Which now?
0: she did not tell him after being in a relationship for 10 months. Yeah. And he was about to propose to her. So so right away, I'm not rooting for this couple to end up together.
1: No, not at all. And uh apparently the his uh her parents really like this guy. His name is Kevin. He's a he has a he he bought okay, so his sister the sister that's getting married mm-hmm. has the same engagement ring that Kevin got for Terry Polo's character yes. for some reason. Zero justification, zero explanation. It just happened that way.
0: It's just it's so right away. Like the the main thing you're rooting for the characters. Oh, I want Ben Stiller and Terry Polo to end up together. And you're like, actually, Terry Polo's is really shitty to Ben Stiller, and yeah. I don't know if I want them to end up together. And then the other thing that happens is that <laughs> uh-huh. Greg opens a bottle of champagne. The cork pops out, flies out, it hits grandma's urn. The urn crashes to the ground. Uh, Again, Robert De Niro just read this poem about this woman. Urn crashes to the ground, ashes on the ground, Jinx walks over, Peas in the ashes. So it's like the writers were thinking, like, what is the most horrifying thing (laughs) that we could think of? And in my opinion, especially coming off of, like, Kind of a uh, funny, quirky little dialogue-driven, cringy rom-com. This is way too hard of a left turn for me.
1: No, yeah, I agree. I also, logically speaking, they could have just gone to pick
0: up the cat. Yeah. Also, yes, easy to prevent.
1: <laughs> easy to prevent, but also, um, I don't know why they had to make. They're not resting the game here, but I don't know why they had to make Greg so hapless so so
0: inept so awkward so can't do anything right
1: he can't he can't talk his way out of anything he can't explain anything he can't tell the truth um i i mean i guess he's flummoxed from being you know criticized a lot i don't know um but he makes no effort to apologize and uh they give him absolutely no leeway at all and then the worst possible thing happened. And literally
0: then... the worst possible thing.
1: Yeah, and and I don't find it funny, but it's supposed to be like the big laugh at the end of the scene. This is the blackout.
0: It, right. Moment. It's also not super like I don't know, if I'm, you know, I'm I'm not a comedy writer by any means, but if I'm like pitching with other writers, right? and Like, what's the yeah. worst thing that could happen at your girlfriend's parents' house? And you're like, oh, you knock over the urn with their grandparents' ashes, and then the cat walks over and pisses in it. Everybody would be like, why did we bring this fucking guy in the pitch? <laughs> really?
1: That's that's too far. Yeah. <laughs> that's, wait, and, you know, they were like, actually, you know what? <laughs>
0: Great idea. Yeah.
1: Or some guy was like, guys, I had a dream last night. <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah. This is dream logic here. And you shouldn't be working with dream logic. That's what David Lynch is doing in the other lot when he's making Mulholland Drive.
1: (laughs) So it's it's very upsetting. And uh, there's no there's no coming back from it. So we have to cut to another scene (laughs) at this point. And and it just shows Greg and Terry Polo's character just kind of like getting ready for bed. It's just a very, it's a very strange transition.
0: Yes. It does come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we learn that, um, you know, because, well, basically, Ben Stiller is told, hey, you're sleeping in the den, and he walks out, and Jack grabs him, and he's like, look, (laughs) it's, it's the year 2000. I get that you and my, you and my daughter have probably had sex before, but when you're in my house this weekend, you keep your snake in its cage. Um, And and this and that is very unsettling, Um, but also going two and a half days without sex is considered to be like something that's just creating this unbearable stress for a man in his 30s, which look.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You'll be okay.
0: Yeah, he's going to be fine. I have a
1: question for you when when you were visiting uh, your wife's family did you guys get to stay in the same room or did you sleep separately
0: Um we slept in separate rooms I mean it, it so my my then girlfriend now wife and I were together for 7 years before we were engaged
1: oh, Okay so you were pretty young so that makes sense Yeah
0: yeah because yeah. we because we met in college yeah
1: Yeah yeah so my my elder my eldest sister and my older sister I have two older sisters they both had the rule of if you know you were coming over with a boyfriend you had to stay in different rooms Mm -hmm. and i was like that's not happening and so i was the one kid that like broke that tradition (laughs) so when i was watching that i was like oh my god am i a hussy (laughs) and i didn't even know so much is implied and now I feel bad. Yeah, it's
0: Oops. yeah, it's kind of yeah. stupid. Um, yeah. and and uh, Ben Stiller goes to sleep in the den. He's like, "Hey, it, Robert De Niro tells him don't flush the toilet because the the tank is weird. There it runs. Uh, that's going to be Chekhov's toilet right there." And then <laughs> we, and that's then fun. Ben Stiller discovers the secret CIA lair.
1: Oh, this is actually my dream. <laughs> My dream is to have a room behind a bookshelf. Yeah, and there's like cool shit in there. Yeah, no, that's that... king
0: shit for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh fuck, I forgot about this part. <laughs> and we see uh, Robert De Niro shaking hands with Bill Clinton mm-hmm. and uh, a bunch of other people. Yeah, and... Ronald
0: Reagan. He killed Romero. Like, let's let me yeah. just... <laughs> let me just bring that back real quick.
1: <laughs> yeah, he definitely did some shady shit. Yeah, and. And he gets caught. You can't you can't just sneak in somewhere and not get caught like that. Especially if it's somebody from the fucking CIA. <laughs> and De Niro comes in and corners his ass. And he's like, oh, "I mean, have you ever taken a polygraph test? Because that's the logical Such next move. Such a great move.
0: icebreaker question.
1: <laughs> yeah, logical next move. And the- then we see like a tiny montage of him getting ready for his polygraph test.
0: Have you ever taken a polygraph test is... I was about to say it sounds like a Nathan Fielder bit, but it is actually a Nathan Fielder bit, right? Like, he does yes. that for a mechanic yeah. shop, right?
1: Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. You know, have you ever taken any kind of, like, lie detector test type thing?
0: I actually have not.
1: Yeah, the there was, they, they did it on the office, but in, like, eighth grade, uh, you would go with your friends to Walgreens, and they would ask you... Um, questions about your crush while Mm -hmm. you were getting your your uh, (laughs) your blood pressure your blood pressure that was something that i remember vividly and i was like i don't i i understand this but i don't know if that's accurate the the blood pressure one
0: yeah polygraphs definitely are (laughs) yeah uh i think if you're in grade school yeah i mean they probably haven't learned all of the technique but (laughs) what do i know um yeah
1: yeah so so we have to sit through a polygraph test now
0: Yeah. Bunch of awkward questions like, uh, well, there's like one kind of funny question, which is like, did we have roast for dinner? Yes. Was (laughs) it overcooked? Um, Yeah. Like, that's kind of funny. That's a good girlfriend's dad question. That's even a good girlfriend's dad giving her, giving his daughter's boyfriend shit question. Yeah,
1: yeah, but not while he's strapped to a polygraph machine. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, not while he's strapped to a polygraph, and then, then immediately following that with, like, have you ever watched pornography?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of question is that? What kind of
0: question is that? <sighs> so anyways, uh, but we also kind of <laughs> crash out of this scene, too, right?
1: Yeah. Like, there's yeah, not a lot a of second.
0: transitions here.
1: No, it's over in a second, and, uh... Eventually, Greg goes to the bathroom and sees the cat going to the bathroom and is like, sorry. (laughs) Like he had just walked in on him. Yeah. Like a person. Um, It's it's all very weird. It's
0: all very surreal. Um, And uh, Jay Roach has said in interviews he wanted this to kind of feel like a stress dream for Greg. Um, Oh, okay. So I guess there is some dream logic, maybe, at least in terms of watching a cat use a potty. But, uh, (laughs) which is what I call it in my household right now. Nice. (laughs) But, but, uh, it's, um, anyways, it's weird. Anyways, we get to, uh, the next day, the groom's family comes. Everybody's there eating breakfast together, and Greg just kind of walks in in his pajamas, which is actually, uh, I think a funny and relatable awkward situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because, um, Terry Polo's, I don't know what her name is. Pam. Pam, sorry. So Pam doesn't wake up Greg and to let him know that the room that he's directly adjacent to is now filled with people because he slept in.
0: Yeah, which is another shitty thing from her. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so he was, he was upset at her, obviously, for that. And she's like, well, I thought you wanted to sleep in with her logic. So they, they do set her up to be fucking awful and then give a very lame tap to just kind of bring it home. Of just, like, it's justified. <laughs> Vague. But um, when, when Greg comes into the kitchen, everybody is just hamming it up. This is my pet peeve of meeting other people's families, mm-hmm. is the whole idea that they all know each other, and they all have inside jokes and stuff, and, like, it's a crapshoot whether or not the person is going to include you or not. Mm-hmm. Like, hopefully you're with, you know, you're with somebody whose family is polite. But sometimes you might not be, and certain members of the family are kind of rude. And in this case, everybody's rude.
0: Everybody's rude. Well, everyone's a doctor, uh, which right away, I'm sorry, that means you're rude. Uh, (laughs) And and Greg is a nurse, right? And as we'll later later learn, Greg considered becoming a doctor, took the MCAT, did fine, but actually did very well, but um, decided to be a nurse because he wanted to focus more on patient care. Uh, Which is a totally legitimate reason (laughs) to go into nursing. Um, And uh, and so basically everyone at the table just gives him shit for being a male nurse, which is not like a great—for someone you just met, I don't know. It doesn't feel right.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's like immediate—I mean, if he had said something to offend them first, then I think it would have been justified, and I think that the game was back on. Mm-hmm. but it like it's immediate they just fucking hate this guy
0: yeah um and also we briefly meet Pam's brother who, yeah
1: he's cool yeah
0: he's <laughs> he's the coolest character in the movie um because he is like out on the roof getting high in the yeah
1: morning. he has he has a Lil' Kim poster where she's like spread eagle, and he's got a corn poster, and there, there's like a Green Day thing. Yeah. He's just like all over the map, but he's a cool fucking guy. He wears those big giant pants. Yes. From Hot topic. Yes.
0: <laughs> and we uh,
1: love Denny. <laughs> he
0: lo- he loans Greg some clothes and his jacket, but he leaves his um <laughs> leaves his pipe in Greg's jacket. Yeah, uh, that's
1: a sick ass pipe. Yeah. P.S. <laughs> This kid, like, clearly they have a lot of money, which makes no sense as to why the septic tank would have gotten fucked up because they would have had that toilet. Would have had just... a fucking
0: sump pump at some point. No, it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. But this kid, he, you know, he comes from money. He's got a sick ass pipe. It's really, really cool. And he fucking left it in his jacket that is now yeah. on Ben Stiller. So, so they're trying on their their tuxedos, and he's like, I gotta get, I gotta get my pipe.
0: Yeah, I... but. It's caught by Robert De Niro, and Robert De Niro's like, what is this, son? And he's like, "Uh, it's a sculpture I found in Greg's jacket.
1: (laughs) When I watched this with my parents in 2000, I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like, oh, this is a sick (laughs) pipe." I'm such a different person now.
0: So, you know, now Robert De Niro's pissed at Greg for smoking weed, which Greg doesn't do. Um, And, you know, it's just, just another misstep from Gaylord Fokker and uh they yeah
1: it, and he doesn't give him the benefit of the doubt he doesn't ask him straight up like yo is this your thing he's like is there something that you need to tell me right and and takes that approach yeah. to it which i kind of think maybe he wasn't very good in the cia <laughs>
0: Right? Yeah, probably not. I mean, we'll we'll see. Kind of. I mean, yeah. we Chile is going to write its constitution anew, and you know, we'll see where the other South American countries go, and that'll be the true <laughs> judge of his legacy. But right, he, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's just the relationship. It it obviously the way the film is written, we're meant to get the impression that he you know he doesn't let any of Pam's relationships work, and he doesn't really want it to. But this right. just seems so beyond belief to me, Yeah. especially for a yeah. movie that started relatively grounded.
1: Yeah, relatively. for sure. Uh, relatively, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think the 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 phrase that keeps coming up is "Is anybody good enough for Pam?" Right. right. But I don't think he gives anybody the opportunity to, because he's constantly accusing them right. of interrogating
0: them, yeah, literally interrogating yeah. them.
1: Yeah, so, you know, nothing he can really do um, except just say, like, I don't know what you're talking about, and Robert Nero has to just accept that he is possibly lying yeah. in his head, that he's lying.
0: Kicks him out of the circle of trust. Yes! Uh, and uh, But you said, is anyone good enough for Pam? We go to the barbecue uh, mm. for basically the equivalent of the rehearsal dinner. Um, and it's at Pam's ex-fiance's house, which she also didn't tell Greg. So rude. So we meet Pam's former fiance, who is Owen Wilson, who is perfect.
1: He's awesome. He's got a cool house. He's adventurous. We got in early rich. on some
0: wireless IPOs. Like just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very out of character for Owen Wilson.
0: Yeah, just but like this. I I believed it. Perfect preppy, like absolute. <laughs> dream boyfriend fiance and he's carved this beautiful uh gazebo for the wedding out of a single block of wood and greg's trying to make small talk he's like what got you into carpentry he's like i guess i'd have to say jesus
1: i love that i was so excited to talk to you specifically about this scene
0: that line made me laugh out loud
1: it was really good and he's like you know the the, I have this weird like romantic fantasy that they're going to get married in this gazebo and then they're going to put it out in their rose garden and it's going to grow and they're just going to sit in there when they're old together. Like this really beautiful romantic story. And you're kind of like, why did Pam dump this guy? yeah <laughs> And we don't really know.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and uh, and. You know, I just, I love that he says, I got into coverage because of Jesus, and then Pam is like, oh, well, Greg is Jewish, and Owen Wilson just immediately is like, all right, so is JC.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're in good company, buddy.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> so perfect uh and then there's a there's a volleyball game in owen wilson's wait wait wait
1: before we get to the volleyball game how weird is it that owen wilson still has all of his pictures from his relationship with pam in his house
0: Um, yes okay you're right in
1: the in the foyer (laughs) you're right it's like the first thing that you see is a table full of photos of him and pam that's weird
0: yeah you know how many uh photos of me and my exes are up in our house (laughs) zero <laughs> zero uh, Zero i'm, zero I'm gonna say
1: zero yeah. yeah yeah same here it's, it's a very weird thing in it like they have gone um skydiving together yeah. snorkeling skiing they were in P- paris yeah they were skiing they did all kinds of things and they, it's just up in the house everybody it seems to be fine with this dynamic mm. and uh greg doesn't say anything to her about it he's just like oh yeah He's
0: nice. And again, I'm like not rooting for either of these people. No.
1: Um, to end I'm rooting, up for, I'm rooting for Owen Wilson. I'm honestly
0: rooting for Owen Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's cool. <laughs> he's great. Um, they have a volleyball game in the pool. Owen Wilson lends Greg his suit, and it's like impossibly small. Um, yeah. That is but ben kind Stiller's of a funny. Jacked. He is jacked, but it is just a funny thing to imagine, like meeting your girlfriend's parents and wearing that suit. Yeah. Um, but basically. Uh, after being egged on by his other teammates, Ben Stiller gets too aggressive and spikes the volleyball into the bride's nose and breaks it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really horrible. There's blood everywhere yeah, it, going into the pool. And and then they're like, it's just a game, Fokker. Yeah. <laughs> it,
0: it's another, like, I think too hard of a left turn. Yeah. And it's followed yeah. immediately by another one, which is they get back to the house and the lawn is covered in shit because. Yeah. He flushed the toilet in the den and the septic tank overflowed.
1: Yeah, it was an example of not resting the game here. I feel like they they could have done the volleyball game and just to not make it so extreme, like his suit falls off. Maybe. Yeah, or actually, that would be very kind of, funny. <laughs> yeah, something small. You see his butt, hilarious. Then, you know, it it's fine. Then he has to kind of recover from the embarrassment or something. But to break the bride's nose like the day before the wedding.
0: Yeah. And it then, is
1: really extreme.
0: Right. And then follow that up by ruining the backyard, which is where the wedding is going to take place. Right.
1: Right. And everybody is just walking in. In Ooh.
0: shit. Truck drives by, covers Robert De Niro and shit. Um, so this I think is, that was
1: when I fast forwarded. That
0: is a good place to fast forward the movie. Um, Just cover, <laughs> j- just like for too long, for too long. Yeah. Just look how horrible this is. Now it's going to keep going. Yeah, it was
1: like a 30 second uh, yeah. shitstorm.
0: Exactly, literally. Um yeah. Ben Stiller feels awful. He lets the cat out and then he's like, "Wait, shit, I'm not supposed to let the cat out." Tries to run after the cat. Um cat goes up on the roof. And Ben Stiller's like, "Oh yeah, I threw my <laughs> cigarettes up there." So, we go yeah. I know I know we skipped a little bit of the establishment of why his cigarettes are up on the roof doesn't matter. Here's what happens.
1: <laughs> Pam did it because she sucks.
0: He goes up on the roof, he has a smoke and he sees Jinxie up there. He's like, "Oh, I got to get Jinxie back. She's n- she's not an outside cat." Tries to climb after her, accidentally kicks uh kicks over the gutter, starts a fire, gutter falls over, knocks over a power line, power line falls down to the ground, sets everything on fire, including the gazebo which explodes.
1: Yeah, cuz it's covered in lacquer. Yes. Yeah, and then everyone runs out and is like, oh, fuck, trying to put the fires out. And he just runs and dives through the window to make sure that it's not pinned to him.
0: Yeah. And And
1: everything's ruined.
0: Everything's ruined and Jinx gets away. Yeah. (laughs) Jinx is lost. So Greg is like, I will find Jinx. I will figure this out. And and you're like, "God damn, he needs to get a win here. Yeah, he needs a win. Yeah. Uh, And he does not get it.
1: No, because he can't just do something right. He has to go. He goes to the animal shelter and finds a cat that looks kind of like Jinx, but he has a little white tip to his tail. And, you know, they're going to know if he brings home this cat. So his solution is to spray paint the cat.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So he comes back, triumphant music playing. He comes back to the house with the cat which is a fake cat <laughs> it's yeah. not jinxie um robert de niro's so happy greg is back in the circle of trust but also jinx is supposed to be the ring bearer at the wedding tomorrow like he's trained like on how to bring the rings down the aisle um so, weird. so fucking weird and so they go to the actual rehearsal dinner at a restaurant and uh they leave Jinxie behind, and because it's not real Jinxie, the cat just wrecks the house, just gets into everything, tears the wedding, the wedding dress. the wedding dress. Yeah.
1: Ugh, that one, that one was a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, and they're at the restaurant. <clears throat> and while they're there, while Ben Stiller thinks he has this win, Robert De Niro <laughs> checks his messages and realizes that, um, that uh, uh, Jinx is, the neighbor found Jinx. Next door, which means Greg brought home a fake cat.
1: And instead of asking him straight up about it, he did that thing where he was just interrogating him to tell the
0: truth. Yeah. He's like, Oh well, you should come home, you should see Jinxie's new tricks and, and and Ben Stiller's like, uh oh, no, we don't we don't need to bother Jinxie, she's had a big day. No, I think Jinxie would like to show you her tricks tonight.
1: <laughs> so then, you know, the next inevitable thing that has to happen is a car chase. Car
0: chase. <laughs> Um, And this actually was, I I do want to say, this was scripted differently. It was supposed to be like a parody of The Car Chase in Ronin, which is a different Robert De Niro film. Mm. But when they shot the movie, those traffic lights really were on that street, and they really did move that fast. And (laughs) they were like, oh, it's funnier if they just keep getting stopped.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't really laugh.
0: No, I didn't laugh, but I understand...
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, it's the
0: it's the Purt Hapley line about, like, I didn't understand, but it had the cadence of a joke.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and so uh, they make it back home and discover that the cat fucking destroyed everything. Everything that was stored for the wedding was broken. Yeah. And the dress was ruined. You know, they they called him out and said, you know, who is this cat? This is an imposter. Yeah.
0: Yeah every and, everything comes out everyone comes clean
1: yeah everyone comes clean the the cat got spray painted
0: uh greg burned he, down the gazebo
1: yeah it's it's all bad so greg is like okay and um robert de niro tells him that he has to leave yeah. and also de niro as a subplot was just kind of doing a background check on greg and discovered that uh greg actually didn't take the mcat yeah he
0: he looked for gregory fokker and greg fokker and didn't find anyone under that name with the mcat plus some other stuff that uh, jack did the airline eventually returned greg's bag turned out it was the wrong bag but jack broke into it anyway and found a bunch of s&m gear
1: yeah of course
0: yeah and uh and, and so ben stiller is just humiliated everybody hates him pam has turned on him so he tries to throw it back in Jack's face. He's like, well, your dad is still talking to – he's got notes in Thai. He's talking to other agents out by the drugstore. He's still in the CIA. And there is one line that made me laugh, which is where um, the Jack's, Jack's wife goes, well, Jack doesn't talk Thai. And Ben Stiller says, oh, no, Jack talked Thai. Jack talked Thai very well. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, and in actuality, Jack was just putting together a surprise, surprise honeymoon, honeymoon for his honeymoon. daughter. To an island off of Thailand.
0: Yeah, which Ben Stiller ruined again because he can't do anything right.
1: He can't do anything right. So he gets kicked out, and so he just, he's getting in his car. Conveniently, the airline van that has his actual bag shows up, and and the guy's like, oh, you know, here, I have a bag for Gaylord Fokker.
0: Right. And
1: that's, everything, (laughs) 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 everything falls apart.
0: (sighs) That's the, um, I mean, that's the thing. is like, so that's the reveal that his real name is Gaylord, which is hilarious. His name's Gaylord and Fokker together? Oh, my God. Um, But um, that's why Robert De Niro's background check came back empty, because he was looking for the wrong name. Yep. So Robert De Niro's like, shit, maybe I need to make this right. Meanwhile, Ben Stiller's at the airport. And let me tell you, pre-9-11 airplane jokes. uh, Yeah. (laughs) They Quite
1: sh- hilarious. They
0: sure do type a lot. Uh, yes, they they sure don't let you board your plane until the very last minute.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of gags in here that should have just been cut out. <laughs>
0: um they try to they try to gate check ben stiller's bag and he's so frustrated and he's like no i want to keep my bag he's just a broken man and then he says it's not like i have a bomb in here it's not like i want to blow up the plane which obviously like then you got to bring in (laughs) marshals and stuff like that um and he's in airport jail um but robert de niro shows up
1: of course and he gives him a human polygraph test which is uh gaylord has his arms out mm-hmm. and de niro has his thumbs on his pulse which to tell
0: we have to say can. it you can't take someone's pulse with your thumb you take it with no. your fingers
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it, uh, there's a lot going on here <laughs> but eventually we see that greg is just like a broken man yeah. he's just he doesn't give a shit and he's finally getting asked questions directly by De Niro at this point which I feel like if he had asked these questions at the beginning of the movie we could have gone a different direction and he's like do you love my daughter yes Uh, did you you know did you do the thing with the cat and he's like yes (laughs) and he has to admit to all these things and then eventually Robert De Niro is like do you want to marry my daughter and he's like I did until I met you Mm. and the tables turn and De Niro is starting to realize that maybe he was going a little overboard just now. Yeah. While he's holding this man's pulse in his hands. <laughs> doing a huge polygraph test. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird because I feel like they're painting De Niro's character out to be a very intelligent man, but he's very dumb. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, like, that is the thing, is his character is slow, right? He's slow on the uptake. He doesn't, like, I mean, he fucking ran a background check on the wrong guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he could have gone in his. If he was like a real guy, he would have looked in his wallet, seen the real name. Yeah. You know, but he was just like, I'm making a bunch of guesses here. Yeah. And you know that actually says a lot about America and the way that we do things. Yeah, because I it's mean, probably sh- law actually enforcement
0: surveillance in yes. general.
1: This <laughs> is <laughs> so maybe we're wrong in thinking that it would be better if it was, like, more realistic. But what if this is the actual realistic way that they yeah, do things? Meet
0: the Parents is actually my favorite critique of the carceral state.
1: It's, it's actually not it's actually a fictional film. Woke. It's a documentary. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this was actually... Ava DuVernay's documentary 13th was based on this film.
1: Oh, no! Oh, man. Okay, now I have to redo this whole podcast with that frame of mind. <laughs>
0: um anyways, we gotta start over <laughs> uh we just, look here's the thing the, this movie sucks eventually he comes back he <laughs> proposes to pam uh robert de niro watches it all on the nanny cam um and that's that's it that's how it ends that's it that's like, the end of the movie it's Great. stupid here's what i want to talk about instead can uh, okay can we talk about the 1992 film meet the parents
1: yeah, I'm super curious how it could get darker. This
0: was an indie film directed by Greg Gliena, uh, produced by Emo Phillips, the comedian. Um, it was very oh, short. Oh, to
1: be named Emo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was very short. It was only an hour and 16 minutes. But basically, here's the... And I am probably going to put a trigger warning on this episode because of what happens here but here's the
1: yeah fast forward a few seconds yeah, if you don't want to hear about it
0: here's the uh here's what happens at the parents house greg sets off a number of incidents that bring shame and disappointment upon his character leaving pam's parents with an unadmirable and undesirable son-in-law after breaking the prize victrola ruining the roast renting the only andy griffith slasher slash porno movie in existence clog, clogging the toilet stabbing the mother's eye with a fishing pole being framed <gasps> Being framed for marijuana possession, wrecking the car, drowning the dog, uh, losing a fight with an ex boyfriend, and knocking over an urn. Okay, so that one was in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay.
0: Gre- Greg has no reputation left to lose. Throughout the visit, Pam's sister, an aspiring singer who can't hold a note, keeps insisting Greg hear her audition, since she mistakenly thinks he has ties to Ed McMahon from Star Search. Greg plans Mm -hmm. to flee the house with Pam to prevent any more damage, but uh, the sister isn't letting him leave without hearing her sing. Greg's car is conveniently broken down, leaving him no choice but to hear the sister sing. Once the torturous ballad has ended, Greg is asked to give feedback. Fearing to start a fuss, he refuses to speak his mind, but the sister's not letting him leave. So Greg gives slight criticism, leaving her fuming mad. At this point, Pam and her friends have had enough with Greg and force him to leave the house, Greg approaches the front door. Meanwhile, Pam's scream coming from her sister's room upstairs startles the guest. The sister has hanged herself with a <gasps> sign reading in smeared lipstick, Greg killed me, around her neck. The father grabs his gun and rushes downstairs to the foyer. And here the Wikipedia summary cuts off. Uh, but so this film was far, far darker. Well, who is
1: this cast? Uh,
0: I, well, it was, it was, like, made for $100,000. It was not in wide release. I think it maybe played a festival or something, but, like... Oh, okay. But somebody saw it and was like, okay, so we take it up one notch in terms of levity. <laughs> we put in De Niro and Stiller, and I think we got something.
1: Well, the interesting thing is is I, I'm assuming that the way that you're reading the incidents happening is... The um the heightening yes of the, the the chronological horror, yes yeah so in this movie instead the urn is the first thing mm-hmm. which is an interesting choice yeah. I feel like that you know if they had maybe had done it a little bit later maybe it would have made more sense but that's the first thing yeah that that's starting pretty high <laughs>
0: um and then I have uh, one review to share here of the 2000 uh, Meet the Parents uh, this is Todd McCarthy of Variety um. Expand to feature length the classic sequence in Annie Hall in which Woody Allen, friend of the show Woody Allen, visits Diane Keaton's weird family, and you have Meet the Parents, a flat-out hilarious mainstream comedy. For a major studio film, you might have to go back to There's Something About Mary to surpass the number of yucks triggered by this broad-but-not-dumbed-down Universal (coughs) DreamWorks co-venture. With audiences Ooh, yeah. so bereft of anything remotely satisfying of late, this adult slanted but universally accessible release will be a tonic at the BO, meaning box office, because this is written in stupid variety speak, uh, yeah. through the fall season. Um, and then, let me see here. Uh, having definitively established his credentials as a comic actor and marked a BO high in Analyze This Last Year, <laughs> De Niro. BO high? I know. De De Niro hits the bullseye here as a cagey and quirky hard case who lets nothing slip through his naturally suspicious mind and sets fatal mind game traps for opponents such as Greg, as a matter of course. On more familiar ground is Stiller, whose performance constitutes a virtual catalog of the varieties of schmuckdom and consequent embarrassment— uh, these put across he puts across his numerous physical comedy scenes in good fashion and has his big moment in an airport scene where returning to Chicago with his tail between his legs he's humiliated to the breaking point by a school marmish attendant directed by roach with real comic verb verve and alertness to the humorous possibilities in every situation pick verily races along without ever seeming forced or losing steam I would disagree yeah um, look last thing I'll say about this um, my theory on Ben Stiller films—I've said this before—the film is good in inverse proportion to how smart his character is.
1: Yeah. His character that's fair. is
0: moderately smart in this movie, and in fact, had a very good MCAT score, so he's he's smarter than average. This movie mm-hmm. is below average as a result.
1: Okay, that's fair. What do you think of that one movie where he was the photographer for that magazine?
0: What movie was that?
1: Uh, Kristen Wiig is in it.
0: I have no, we can cut this out. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> you can what, cut that out. What about our friends at uh, commonsensemedia.org?
1: Well, first I want to say thank you for reading that. I disagree with it. I also wouldn't use the word quirky for Robert De Niro's character. And I feel like this person at Variety needs to be fired. <laughs> Retroactively. Um, okay, Common Sense Media has a paywall now. Oh, you can no! Only get, yeah, you can only get three reviews a month. But they probably have the same like standards as robert de niro's character and thinking that their users are as stupid as greg because i just used incognito mode and it was fine (laughs) so i found a bunch of reviews um mostly it was people saying you had to watch this movie so that you could enjoy the sequel because the sequel according to common sense media is much funnier than this movie don't give me that shit. Yeah, so a, a lot of the kid reviews were, you have to watch this movie because the sequel is hilarious, but you have to know the context of a lot of the jokes that are set up in the sequel, and that that one is actually worth watching versus this one. Okay, and the, um, the, the
0: sequel is Meet the Fockers, right? And that's where we meet yes. Greg's parents, played by Dustin Hoffman and Barbara Streisand, because they're Jewish.
1: Yes, correct, exactly. So um, I did find one review by an adult that was actually well-written. And I was amazed. Uh, So this was uh, adult one star review. It's they say woefully unpleasant and unfriend. The absolute nadir of comedy. Meet the Parents is a mean spirited, loud and utterly witless waste of life. Robert De Niro's character in these movies might be the single most despicable character in any form of media in the 21st century. And yes, that includes things like the Grand Theft Auto games and Quentin Tarantino's films. Okay. Those people are horrible, but at least they're interesting in one form or another.
0: (laughs) So I think I don't like De Niro's character, but like, I mean, I would even, we even would say like Bradley Cooper in He's Just Not That Into You, I think is a worse person. Than oh, Robert yeah. De Niro in this movie.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Okay, so they go on. Apparently there are jokes throughout this movie, but honestly, I couldn't even tell you where more two of the where more than two of these jokes are. Usually I can tell when a movie fails to make me laugh, but this movie is just people screaming hatred at Ben Stiller's character who plays the audience's pov for stuff he didn't do and we're supposed to find that amusing this is literally just 90 minutes of yes you did no i didn't argument where everyone says no we believe that you did it's just one immensely frustrating situation after another and there is literally nothing else to this whole movie with the exception of the first two to three minutes and the final two to three minutes which i agree
0: with that's me yeah (laughs) no i i agree Uh, with it too
1: They go on to say, I literally cannot think, they love saying literally, I literally cannot think of a single more painful movie watching experience I have ever had to endure having to watch this on a bus when I was too wired to fall asleep. I was kind of starting to consider jumping out the emergency exit window as that felt like a more enjoyable use of my time. It's aggressive, aggravating, and I wouldn't recommend it to anyone of any age ever. I would rather be mugged and beaten than be forced to watch a minute of this absolutely god-awful movie again. Okay, so like... So aggro. So that's like really extreme. Like,
0: I didn't like it, but... Yeah. I'm like if if you if you were like Tony I'm going to beat the shit out of you or you can watch <laughs> Meet the Parents again I'm like well I'll watch Meet the Parents again I guess Yeah
1: yeah what, wait which movie do you think we've watched that is worse that you would rather get beaten up
0: I mean the <laughs> the worst movie we've watched by far is Bringing Down the House Bringing Down the House and yeah 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 That one it is close
1: <laughs> Yeah that's fair that's fair Yeah I mean it was one of the more readable reviews that i found it also it also had a point of view which i liked mm-hmm. generally these reviews gen, uh don't so yeah i mean ultimately this movie was bad
0: bad guys don't watch it um yeah. and it inspired
1: happy 2020 inspired 21
0: two sequels uh which uh i have not seen i'm not going to um fifth... i watched
1: meet the Fockers.
0: <laughs> wait you it see was,
1: it was it you... was fine
0: it was fine okay Um, so the sequel's fine, guys, uh, but don't watch the first one. Um, we got a lot more season where we still have to watch these top grossing films, and we've kind of eliminated the more watchable ones from the list at this point, so (laughs) real interested to see where we go next. Uh, probably should have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, leave us a review, subscribe to the podcast, we'll see you next week. Bye! sea, and frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanalee. Little Jackie Paper loved that rascal Puff, and brought him strings and sealing wax and other fancy stuff. Oh, Huff, the magic dragon, lived by the sea. i